Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. This week on the nonprofitnewsfeed.com, what do we have? Well, news for the week of November 22nd, rolling into the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Giving Tuesday, and a whole bunch of end of year activities for nonprofits. Nick, how's it going? It's going good, George. It's a busy time of year, so I'll be efficient and dive right into it. Our first story is about nonprofits across the country, and I suppose the world, gearing up for Giving Tuesday. So if you work in nonprofit communications, marketing, strategy, almost anything, um, you're probably working very hard right now preparing for Giving Tuesday. So of course, Giving Tuesday is the annual fundraising event held every Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And just a couple of angles to pull together here. We at Whole Whale predict that Giving Tuesday donations will exceed $3 billion for the first time ever based on our own statistical analysis. So potentially preparing for a hugely important day of giving for the sector, uh, a historic day of giving for the sector. Another angle that we wanted to pull in here is that we're looking at the increase for We're looking at the increase of certain types of donations uh, coming to the forefront, particularly around pieces like crypto donations. Our uh, partner, The Giving Block, has announced something called Crypto Giving Tuesday, but we'll probably see more uh, of those types of donations coming in. And then, of course, lots of organizations are going to be fundraising hard. They're going to be advertising. I've seen some nonprofits with 5X match marketing copy going into the the frenzy of giving season. Um, But one last kind of thread here is that uh, within all these different kind of angles that Meta, the newly named parent company of Facebook, is announcing 8 million in matching donations for Giving Tuesday for particular organizations. So a lot going on. Things are certainly ramping up for us nonprofit fundraising communication professionals. But anything I missed, George? Any uh, Anything you want to add? No, it's just exciting. And we always hope for increased amounts of giving and awareness on the day because rising tide lifts all ships involved. So even though it can be a tough day to get and be heard with regard to your message and money being raised, it's still a a good kickoff and reminder of where we should be deploying our capital, especially in the final (laughs) weeks, days of the year. Again, We recommend that this is the kickoff and not beginning, middle, and end of your end of year annual campaign. And, you know, I'll add one thing is just, you know, looking at some of the trends in search, I'm trying to parse this out a bit more, but I am seeing a decline in search topic and interest. And I think that just, you know, it may be because of the amount of other news that has happened uh, coincidentally around this time of year, if you're talking about sort of elections and other driving factors, though the overall amount of money continues to increase, which is why we're still optimistic about giving. 
but it's uh, it's something that I'm watching. Absolutely, something I'm sure we will eagerly pour over when all that giving data comes in. Maybe we'll even make some fun product out of it. <laughs> but our next story, again, related to charitable giving is that give.org, which is associated with the BBB or Better Business Bureau, has released its Donor Trust Report 2021 Profiles in Charity Trust and Giving. And this report seeks to better understand the relationship between donors and charities with the idea that with this information, nonprofits can retain donors, uh, you know, build that that strength and the, the strength of that bond there. Um, so this is a really lengthy, <laughs> albeit interesting report. Um, there's a couple of different key points in there. But Give.org has also actually published reports um, that includes a study on charity impact, uh, assessing how donors think about and interact with charities when it comes to measuring impact. And then another report on sexual harassment and the charitable sector, uh, which uh, focuses on how charities can retain trust both among staff, employees, board members, and the general public when it comes to issues of sexual harassment, which unfortunately no sector is totally immune from. So interesting reports for nonprofit professionals uh, to stay on top of. I think it's helpful that they do this, I mean, dating back to at least December 17th and and tracking these numbers. And it's a survey of 2,100 adults in in the U.S. and 1,000 in Canada. So, you know, you have to be careful what kind of assumptions that you're drawing from it. But looking at some macro trends for the past four years has been a, you know, a point or two decline consistently in religious organizations, as well as police and firefighter organizations dropping uh, just sort of year over year by one, two points. And, And then Interestingly, for the last year from December 19th to December 20th, we see an increase in in trust, remember a trust metric here for environmental organizations, as well as civil rights and community action organizations, jumping actually quite a significant amount from 13%, where they both kind of hovered to 16% in December 20. And I'm willing to bet that some of this is Black Lives Matter impacted. Some of it is... Maybe, I mean, a COP26 wasn't there, but rising environmental concerns, you know, I, I bet this trend continues in that sort of general direction for better or worse. Yeah, it's interesting you picked up on that thread because I think that there's an increase in trust in grassroots community-led organizations and the civil rights sector and the environmental sector have a history of grassroots community-led movements. And I think that's a really interesting narrative there, but something we'll definitely uh, continue to look out for moving ahead. Yeah, I mean, you see this intersection right now of, frankly, the vaccine battles and anti-vax unions on the police and firefighter front. And, you know, you're, you're beginning to 
blur lines of trust. If you're supposed to be here to protect and serve and you are somebody who has the mindset that not getting a vaccine is actually in fact hurting the herd immunity community, then I could imagine that continuing to erode uh, trust and support in those institutions. All right, moving ahead, I'll take us to our next story. This is an article out of Cleveland, um, the local five ABC affiliate there, that uh, nonprofit, that there's a labor shortage within the nonprofit sector. So this particular article talks about one organization that's doing great work in the, the Cleveland area. But one interesting thread here is that the article cites the chief operating officer for the National Council of Nonprofits, who says um, that we're still down more than 500,000 nonprofit employees from the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and just saying that they, they need those people back, right? Um, a lot of these organizations are, are still, uh, you know, of course, took a hit during the pandemic, but many of them are still trying to do the the good that they were responsible for doing before now with just fewer people and resources. Um, so I know we've been following those numbers throughout the pandemic, but uh, to see it still down over 500,000 is, is pretty dramatic. I think there's an important quote thread here. And I want to echo back to that article we highlighted about the, um, I forget where they were, but they raised a wage to 70,000 at a nonprofit and you know that that's fine, but there's a quote here from uh, from the director where they're saying nonprofits are really boxed in because we want to raise wages, but the funding isn't there. Uh, and this is Cohen saying and continuing. A lot of nonprofits operate with government contracts that pay a certain amount, and those contracts aren't being renegotiated to allow nonprofits to pay their workers more. And so we can't rely and compete when Amazon or Target or Walmart raise their wages. And, and there you go. It's That's the narrative in a nutshell. Absolutely. Lots of uh, kind of macro things to consider <laughs> when thinking about this topic. But thinking of macro issues, uh, this is a follow-up of um, our Either you guess, I guess you either love him or hate him. Um, Elon Musk in his uh, little tussle with the World Food Program. So uh, coming back on this story, uh, I think the original quote from Musk was, uh, "If someone can, you know, give me a plan to solve world hunger, tell me how much I need." And and now there's a number of six billion. But anyway, the World Food Program. Um, uh, executive director, who I didn't know was actually a former governor, um, I think from South Carolina, but has published an actual plan to support 42 million people on the brink of famine and uh, uh, explicitly delineates how that money would avert catastrophe for these people um, for one year, uh, apparently $6.6 million dollars. A uh, billion dollars, excuse me, uh, could eliminate world hunger for an entire year. Um, and, you know, w- whether a program like this can get implemented or not is, I, I, that's, I don't think, at the heart of this conversation here. But I think um, it, it brings up interesting points about wealth and the ability to solve macro problems that are really complicated and intricate. 
And uh, there's kind of a lot of different, I think, ways you can in- interpret this. But it's interesting to see someone as prominent as Elon Musk um, interacting publicly in this way with the World Food Program, which a big organization, but quite frankly, is doesn't have the cultural attache of a, a big billionaire and having this very public conversation about um, donating money and impact on complicated questions. So I'm curious what your takeaway from this is, George. On one level, it's a bit ridiculous that the UN World Food Program is trying to get this money from a private citizen of the United States to address a problem of this scale. Like, I'll just pause for a second. Sure. Moral outrage, frustration with uh, extreme wealth consolidation. But the fact that like this is like Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. Like, this is a world global freaking problem. And okay, let's do this on Twitter. The other side of me says, isn't this interesting? Because they have a thousand word executive summary, which I think is really amazing because guess what? It actually maps out how they would deploy 6.6 billion with 40 million across 43 countries. And they go in to say that they propose 3.5 billion to buy and deliver food directly, 2 billion for cash and food vouchers in places where markets can function and spending another 700 million to manage new food programs that are adopted and adapted to the in-country conditions. And then 400 million for essentially overhead and accountability. So I think that's fascinating to see it broken down. And actually, you know, that may end up helping them in terms of making it feel more tangible rather than the, you know, black box of where did the money go and how many, you know, how many folks actually got fed as a result. And clearly you're not solving world hunger with vouchers. You are preventing a catastrophe and that's the framing. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the World Food Program expects Musk to donate the money. And I don't think Musk is going to, but the fact that they're having this public conversation is really interesting and maybe inadvertently puts pressure on governments. But uh, the bottom line is for countries to give this amount of money, for the United States to give this money to the UN requires an act of Congress. And Congress is uh, notorious, notoriously bearish when it comes to giving money for international assistance. So it's an interesting thread, an interesting conversation for sure. Our next story is about um, how, from the Nonprofit Times, about how tech supported an uptick in nonprofit financial liquidity. I am not an expert in nonprofit financial management, but my understanding of the article is that um, during the pandemic, a certain subset of nonprofits were able to take in a volume of donation revenue that actually allowed them to have uh, liquid assets that would give them a little bit of a runway in the event that things went south. Um, I'm wondering what your takeaway from this article is, George. A lot of money exchanged, a lot of hands. And if you talk about PPP, uh, that came in. Nonprofits qualified for that, certainly, and some actually did particularly well with donations and maybe were able to cut costs during the pandemic while still serving their audience. You know, if you are in the the side that ended up with a bit of a, of a windfall, um, well, then it's interesting to say that with those organizations, they say managers at more than half the organizations uh, were already planning to invest in new technologies during 2020, 
and are more quickly planning to take action. And 60% report that they accelerated these investments due to COVID-19. So what I'm seeing here is an acceleration of investment in technology systems, analytics, the types of things that will make their work hopefully more efficient going forward, which is something that whole whale is incredibly interested in and a supporter of as we create as many resources as possible to help organizations uh, build their technical muscle and skill. All right. Our next story is about something maybe local to New York, but maybe has broader implications. And that is the fate of the fearless girl statue. So for those who haven't recently been down into the Wall Street Bowling Green Financial District, um, maybe you'll recall seeing pictures of the famous bronze iron, (laughs) bronze bull, and across the park in Bowling Green, a uh, bronze girl known as the Fearless Bull, um, Fearless Girl, excuse me, standing this bull down. Uh, Well, it turns out that this art is in somewhat jeopardy, a, a complicated web of kind of discussions about public art. And but it turns out that this 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 piece of art was not in fact um, commissioned by the city or anything like that. It's actually paid for by a private organization that George, correct me if I'm wrong, um, is uh, under fire for uh, gender discrimination. So I'll let you kind of continue the thread on this one. But what do we what should we take from this? Question. I mean, you were asking me this before we even turned on the the recorder. You're like, George, where's the nonprofit angle here? And so this is at the intersection of where companies are jumping into marketing as it meets the you know gender discrimination or even at larger. Uh, the progressive agendas in the country and trying to align themselves and get out ahead. And on the front end of it, I think when, if I were to ask you to, you know, pause, close your eyes, you know, nothing about it. And I explained fearless girls out there. You're like, Oh my gosh, awesome. A young sort of emblematic female, strong character, a young girl standing up to wall street. And you're like, that feels good. And you have, you know, Chelsea Clinton and Jessica Chastain out there applauding its message and promoting it. And it sort of has this nonprofit cause vibe to it for sure. Until you you peel back the onion just a touch and realize that, you know, wait a minute, it's actually been put, you know, forward and paid for by a financial firm, State Street Global Advisors, who in fact, um, despite using this as a corporate feminism, like marketing component, uh, they had to settle claims for $5 million due to gender discrimination claims. What's more, they're suing the artist for reproductions and other work that she's doing. So there's a dangerous intersection that I'm trying to pay attention to of the corporate world as it steps into and uses the messages and narratives that nonprofits actually spend the time working on, confuses the issue, and then provides fodder in the other direction. Uh, you know, I recently just finished reading Woke Inc. Uh, it, it It's hard to get through, but inside this sort of tree of lies, there's a kernel and seed of truth in some of it. And it rests a lot on this exact narrative of, you know, Fearless Girl and how it's being misused for marketing purposes in the corporate world to essentially cause wash misdeeds. And uh, it, it confuses things, I'd say. So it's just something I wanted to pull out there, but also encourage you, 
you being nonprofit leaders to dig deeper into the emblem symbols and messages coming from corporate partners or corporations working in adjacent fields with your stakeholders. Absolutely. Thanks for pulling all that together so succinctly. Um, it's certainly an interesting conversation that this statue in some ways uh, leads to. So yeah, I think that's a great thread to pick up on. Our next story is just a, a light follow-up of a conversation we had in the previous week, but that is that uh, expenses for uh, food pantries are going up going into holiday season. This particular article is from the Darien Times from of Connecticut, um, and one food pantry says that because of inflation and a surge in need, their expenses are up uh, 140% year over year, which is crazy. Um, so just kind of, again, kind of shouting to the rooftops that um, people urgently need food and food shelters are having a hard time meeting that demand. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting story. I don't know how to fully unpack the fact that Darien, Connecticut is one of the richest zip codes in these United States. So, you know, it's, you know, where are you operating? And not to say that there aren't people in need in that area, but, you know, if it's happening in these areas, I also imagine it's happening in others. So inflation hits on many levels, but disproportionately on low-income individuals, people that are dependent on the price of gas and the consumer price index elements. And so nonprofits serving in and with uh, those communities uh, feel it as well as do their employees. Absolutely. They're a lifeline for many different folks. How about we finish with a feel-good story, George? Fine, Nick. I thought we should continue to drag people down, but whatever. <laughs> let's just do whatever you want to do. George, why don't we talk about beautifying empty spaces? Uh, this comes from an NPR affiliate out of St. Louis, but this is about a nonprofit organization called Pocket Parks, which aims to beautify the city quote unquote, one vacant lot at a time. And um, they kind of beautify different lots with murals, arts, and, and, and other uh, other things. But I think this is really cool. And I live in a city myself. I went to school just outside of Philadelphia. I think that beautifying cities goes a long way. And this is a really cool project to see. And yeah, I think there's a lot of cool lessons, um, both in urban design and, and other uh, kind of interesting threads from this, but cool, innovative work. I love it. They're installing some solar lights. So we have some alternative energy here. It's perfect. It's got everything I look for. So I guess we're, we're rolling into Thanksgiving. Nick, I'm super thankful for your help on this podcast week in, week out. You may not realize it if you're listening, but Nick is actually a big writer for this. He churns it out and then summarizes it with me in, in an effortless manner that I appreciate. So thank you, Nick. Thank you, George. It's, it's quite a pleasure to be able to put all this together, learn about the sector myself, um, follow some cool stories, and of course, hash it all out with you on the podcast. It's my pleasure. All right. Have a good one. Bye. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us.
Thanks, as always, to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 